and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. I'm a retired Baptist preacher with over 50 years in the ministry of teaching and preaching the King James Bible, God's Holy Word. The purpose of this podcast is to present the Word of God as being just as relevant today as it was in the day that it was written. As we continue our study on the pastoral epistles, this is part two on lesson number two of our series on the pastoral epistles. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and today we'll be looking at verse 2. So take your Bible and turn there and listen to what God says. Well, I guess we're going to have to read verse 1 again so we get the context. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now listen, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So God tells me I'm supposed to pray for all men, and then he begins to outline some men that I'm to particularly remember. He says, for kings and for all that are in authority. You see, the scriptures tell us that these kings and people in authority over us were put there by God. Daniel tells us that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 21. Let me read that to you. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Notice that God sets kings up and he takes them down. Now, we often think about elections. When somebody's running for an office, we vote and we hope that our man wins. But we need to understand that it's God who sets kings up. It's God who takes kings down. It's God who puts the president in office. It's God who takes the president out of office. It's God who puts the senators in the Congress, the representatives in the House of Representatives, the governors, the mayors, the city councils, the state legislatures, or whatever office it may be. These are the men we are to pray for, the men that God has put in authority over us in our lives. These men that we are to pray for is we are to pray, we are to pray for them that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So what are we praying for? We're praying for them to get saved. As the apostle Paul said to one king who said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He said, I we're not almost, but altogether as I am, except these bonds. Paul earnestly tried to persuade men to come to Christ, kings and rulers that he appeared before. So we are to pray for God to bring these men to the Savior. But primarily, we are to pray that God will lead in their lives and allow us to have quiet and peaceable lives quiet and peaceable, that we might live a godly life and live in honesty. 
You know, in my country, we have difficulties happening to Christians in business. There was a baker who refused to bake a cake for some gay crowd, and they took him to court. And they wanted to put him out of business, and they're still trying to put him out of business. And we look at that and say, Lord, why? Could it possibly be that we've failed in our responsibility to pray that God would give us quiet and peaceable lives, that we could live a godly life and live an honest life? That might be. You see, we're not praying for God to save society or bring, or bring peace on earth. The truth is, there's going to be no peace on earth until there's glory to God in the highest. The angels said it at the birth of Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill before men. Listen, peace comes only when there's glory to God in the highest. Until the Lord Jesus sits on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem, there will be no peace in this earth. Because God says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. But Christian, for you and me, we're supposed to have peace. And our peace comes through the Lord Jesus Christ living in us, ruling in us. We want to live godly lives. We want to live honest lives for the Savior. So we are to pray for individual Christians. And we are to pray for those that God puts in authority over us. Never forget to pray for those that God has put in authority in our lives, for kings and those that God has put in authority in our lives. That's for me, that's never forgetting that I'm to pray for my president, regardless of who he is. I'm to pray for my senators, my representatives, my congressman, if you will, my governor, regardless of who it is. I don't have to agree with them politically to pray for them. I'm to pray for them not because of their politics. I'm to pray for them because I obey the word of God. To pray for the mayor of the city, the city councilman, the state legislature. These are the men I'm to pray for. And yet, how many of us do pray for them? I'm afraid, sadly, very few of us. Now, why am I to pray? Why am I to bring supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks for all men, for kings, for those in authority? Why? Because the scripture says in verse 3 of First Timothy chapter 2, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Why? Because it's good in the sight of God. You see, it's not what's good in my sight or in your sight. It's what's good in the sight of God that counts. What's good in the sight of God dictates my prayer life. Notice he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So it's what's good in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, our Savior. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
This is what I'm supposed to be praying. Doing the will of God. Praying in the will of God. This must be primary to us as Christians. The Lord Jesus Christ gave us an example as to how we pray in the will of God. When he said in Gethsemane's garden, If thou be willing, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed for his Father's will. He said, If it be possible, if you are willing to remove this cup from me. And then he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Praying in the will of God was primary to the Savior and should be primary to us who are saved by the Savior. We are to follow the Savior, not imitating, but to follow him, to do what he has shown us to do to do what he leads us to do in our Christian life. Fellowship, that's what's real, not imitation. Imitation is hypocrisy. Imitation is just play-acting. And we're not play-acting. We're supposed to be real in our Christian life. Now, we've said already that we're to pray in the will of God. Well, in verse 4, we read this who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So did you notice that? Who will have all men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now notice he says all men. You know what all means? All means all. Now Calvinism cancels this out because it says only the elect. Well, this doesn't say all elect. It says all men who will have all men. God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So this cancels out the idea of that there are certain men who are elect to be saved and certain who are not elect to be saved. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants all men to come to repentance. The only way a man can come to salvation is to come to the Savior. All salvation is of God, not of man. In Isaiah, God tells us in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. So that's not just Israel. That's all the ends of the earth. That's Jew and Gentile alike. For I am God and there's none else. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, he says in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11. So what does he say? He says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? God is pleading with Israel to turn from their wicked ways. Christian, he pleads with us to live a godly life, an honest life. So God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
That means there's people in this world who do not have the knowledge of the truth. And let me say to you, if you don't know the word of God and you don't know the Savior, you don't know the one who came down to earth from heaven's glory and took your sin and died on that cross for you, was buried and rose again from the dead. If you do not know him, you do not know the truth. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. When he said the truth shall make you free, he was talking about himself. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who frees us from our sin. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who frees us from death, hell, and the grave. The problem with men is, is that they're like Pilate, who flippantly said to Jesus, what is truth in John chapter 18 and verse 38? And he gets up and walks out. He wasn't asking a question. He was smarting off at the very one who was the truth. If he truly wanted to know the truth, all he had to do was get acquainted with Jesus. Jesus came into this world to bear witness of the truth. That's what he told Pilate. Pilate asked him in John chapter 18 and verse 37, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Why did Jesus come into this world to bear witness unto the truth? Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know what that means? It means if you don't listen to the word of God, it means you don't hear the truth. You don't listen to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you miss Jesus, you miss the truth. It's that simple. Notice that God's will is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Only by knowing Jesus can we know the truth. The Apostle Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 16, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. This is surrender to the will of God, to be made conformable to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus said, not my will, let thine be done, to the Father, he was accepting the death of the cross and becoming sin for us. So being made conformable to his death means we accept the will of God. Now he goes on to say, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What does he mean to apprehend that for which that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus? He's talking about living for the truth, living for the Savior, living for the will of God. No sin. That's what we seek in our Christian life. We haven't obtained it, but that's what we want. That's what we desire. That's what we pray for. Then he goes on to say, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. There it is. But this one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I've set aside the things that are behind me, and I'm looking at the things that are before me, and I'm going to press for that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which is to live for the Savior 100% in my Christian life. Then he says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Listen, Christian, when you got saved, he perfected you. But now he wants us to bring that perfection onto the outside. And if, in if, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Our goal as Christians is to walk by the rule of the word of God and to mind what it says, to obey it, to mind what God tells us to do in our Christian life. Well, this concludes this part of our lesson. We'll pick it up in the next lesson at verse 5. Till then, God bless. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on the pastoral epistles. Now, before you go, how about take some time and leave us a comment? Or maybe a prayer request, or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? And don't forget to subscribe to the John Cook Ministries podcast, and you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. God bless.